Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, everyone. If you are looking for a one-to-one teacher to give you English lessons, or if you are looking for a language partner, uh, perhaps someone in the UK um, who you can talk to on a regular basis and who will help you with your spoken fluency, or maybe you're looking for someone with whom you can do a language exchange, then check out italki because all of those things are available on that platform. Um, You can have lessons over Skype, which is very convenient. It means you can, for example... Have an English lesson um, in your living room or on the sofa, or you can have an English lesson in the kitchen. And uh, italki are offering all of my listeners uh, a free lesson. So when you buy some some talking time with them, they will send you a voucher, which is worth a free lesson. Um, Check out that offer by going to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk, or just click an italki logo on my website. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, folks. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Hope you're doing all right. Here's a new episode, and this one is a conversation with my friend Moz about his new podcast, which is all about true stories of murders committed in London's history. His podcast is going to be available on iTunes and on his website from the 1st of October. And this episode is going to work as a sort of preview to that if you're interested in listening to it. But also uh, just a chance to talk to Moz about some of the stories and some of the uh, gruesome crimes uh, that um, he talks about on his podcast and also that he uh, talks about on his walking tours. Now, Moz has been uh, on this podcast a number of times before. His full name is Michael Buchanan Dunn, but uh, I know him as Moz because that's his nickname. So he's been on this podcast before. You might remember him. For example, he was in the Brighton Fringe Festival episodes, the drunk episode, the episode recorded on Moz's narrowboat, which was called On a Boat, that episode, and also uh, the episode from last year, which was called Murder Mile Tours, No, Murder Mile Walks, Stories of London's Most Infamous and Shocking Murders. That was episode number 337. If you haven't heard those episodes, let me just bring you up to speed, as it might help you to understand some of the things that we talk about in this conversation. So I first met Moz and made friends with him about eight years ago while doing stand-up comedy in London. He used to work for the BBC making comedy television programs, but then a few years ago, Moz chose to make a change in his lifestyle, and he decided to set up a tourism company. And also, he bought a narrowboat, which he now lives on. Uh, Narrowboats are boats that can be used on the UK's canal system. They're long and they're narrow, hence the name. Uh, So Moz now lives on his narrowboat, which he uh, usually moors at uh, different locations throughout London's canal network. 
because there are actually lots of canals running through London. I don't know if you knew that. Um, he also runs his successful tour company in London, which is called Murder Mile Tours. It's a, it's a, a tourism company uh, that offers walking tours of London with a murder theme. Uh, his most popular tour is called the Murder Mile Walk, which currently takes place in Soho in central London every week. The walk takes in various sites where murders have actually occurred. And some of those murders were the work of serial killers. And they all have gruesome stories connected with them. Stories which Moz has painstakingly researched by looking up lots of archived material, including court records from courtrooms in London. Last year, I invited him onto the podcast to tell us some of those stories. Uh, That was episode 337. And that proved to be one of the most downloaded episodes of the podcast last year. Since then, his tours have gone from strength to strength, not directly as a result of being on this podcast, I think, although that helped him a little bit because apparently quite a lot of uh, my listeners have been on the Murder Mile walk with Moz. But no, the tour seems to be going really, really well because it's really fun, it's original, the stories are fascinating, and the tour has had tons of five-star reviews on TripAdvisor. In fact, just recently, Murder Mile Tours received a TripAdvisor Certificate of Excellence, which is a really great achievement. Uh, TripAdvisor describe it as one of the 150 best things to do in London, which is great because there are so many things to do in London, and this apparently is uh, in the top 150. And also Time Out magazine described it as one of the top three themed tours in the city. And now Moz has decided to set up his own podcast in which he will share some of the stories that he's discovered while doing his research for the walking tours. His podcast, which will be called the Murder Mile True Crime Podcast, will be available from the 1st of October. You'll be able to find it on iTunes or just check it out on his website, murdermiletours.com. So, I've invited Moz to come back onto the podcast to talk about all of this. So get ready to find out a few things about life in London that you don't normally find out from guidebooks or tourist brochures. Now, Moz and I are friends, so this isn't just an interview about his walking tours and his podcast. It's also a light-hearted, informal conversation and a chance for the two of us to catch up on each other's personal news and just have a bit of fun while we're doing it. And you are invited to join us. You should know that this episode contains some graphic content and explicit language, including some fairly detailed descriptions of violence and murder and some other things that you might find disturbing or disgusting. I feel that I should let you know that in advance, just in case you're squeamish and you don't like those kinds of details, or if you just generally don't like that kind of thing, I feel like I should let you know. But to be honest, the content or the descriptions in this episode, they're no worse than what you would see in the average episode of a TV show like CSI or Game of Thrones, for example. But still, there are some creepy and gruesome details in this episode. Okay, so there you go. You've been warned. 
By the way, if you're interested in some of the items of vocabulary that you can hear in this conversation, you should check out the page for this episode on my website. There you'll see a list of words and phrases which you can learn in order to add real strength and depth to your English. So, without any further ado, here is part one of my conversation with Moz, the guy from Murder Mile Tours. Hello, 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 hello. Hello, one, two, one, two. This is this is MBD calling from London in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is cool, hit, cool street, FM. street radio. <laughs> <laughs> we're hit, we're happening, and we're not in our forties. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we're so young and so fresh right now, and not like not old and weird, <laughs> wrinkly, yeah. wrinkly, wrinkly. How's life? Fine, thanks. Yeah, yeah, we got back from holiday, um, like, sort of the end of last week. So just sort of returning to normal. We went to the States and, uh, you know, toured around the canyons and stuff. It was brilliant. Yeah, it was really cool. Like, just big rocks, massive stones and big cracks in the ground and things. Pretty (laughs) elemental stuff, you know. Uh, I've been to Grand Canyon. It it doesn't seem real, does it? No, yeah, yeah, totally. It's, you, you think you're looking at a matte painting. Yeah, it's and it's so big, you can't contain yeah. it. You can't see it all. It's so big. Yeah, and uh, it makes you kind of your brain's kind of like what 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 <laughs> what the f- what 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 what. That's what my brain was doing anyway. Like what what, what wait 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 a minute. Just just hold on a minute. It's what? amazing because America's so false that when you come across something so natural, right, it doesn't it doesn't sit. You just yeah. go, "Nah, this is not right." Yeah, it's so jarring. This is Disneyland. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, it's weird, and like you kind of like, where's the elevator to get down to the bottom of the canyon? <laughs> and you're like, yeah. "Oh, there isn't one." And if I went down there, I'd probably die. <laughs> where's Where's the big advertisement that says Coca Cola? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is this canyon sponsored by? <laughs> oh, no. What? Is it a drink? <laughs> this Grand Canyon is sponsored by millions of years of history. <laughs> yeah. Ancient history, or as they say in America, anything over 50 years. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God, that is so old. Oh, my God. It's like, that's like 60 years old. <laughs> that's ancient. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Yanks. <laughs> Don't you just uh, love them? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> do you get do you get any Americans on your tour? Uh, yeah, sometimes. Uh-huh. Not many. I, I get a real mishmash of uh, international. Really? Yeah. Mainly, mainly, mainly thanks to Luke's English podcast, of course. I, I'm doing a shout out. I've written it on my notes. A shout out to the Luke's English podcast because there are there are quite a few. I do get quite a few. Really? Oh, that's good. Perhaps. Quite a lot of new listeners as well who haven't listened to the drunk episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so they've steered them. I've steered them. <laughs> they still have some respect for you. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so if you're ready, um, yep. we'll begin. All right. Okay. So, my, me having my speakers on that doesn't affect you, does no, it? No, I don't hear. I don't hear myself back or anything like that. It's it okay. all sounds great. Great. Yeah, it sounds fine. Okay, right, let's get started then, and here we go. Moz, hello. Hello, Mr. Luke. How are you doing? I'm very good, sir. How are we? Oh, very well, thanks indeed. Just in Paris, it's hot. It, it's uh, how hot? 
I don't know, it's about 30-something degrees. Sacre bleu. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you know you know what i've never heard a french person say sacre bleu i've never heard it that's weird because when i used to live in wales yeah uh, that a lot of english people always think that welsh people say there's lovely oh, yeah? which is kind of the the welsh way of saying yeah everything's good i've only heard it used once in wales and that was by a welsh lady sarcastically oh really yeah I, so- I, okay well, it just goes to show, you know, we, we, some reason we're led to believe that people in different countries say certain <laughs> phrases all the time, but they never do. Like, sacre bleu, never heard it. And the other one I've never heard really is zut alors. Oh, what does that mean? Well, you didn't get that one. That was in our textbooks, I remember, at school. Zut alors, which is like, oh my, oh my God. Yeah, tricolore, the textbooks we used to use to learn French. And uh, <laughs> I, I remember seeing zut alors a couple of times which is a bit like, uh, oh, wow, or oh, my God, or something like that, you know. Zoot is a bit our like damn. Zoot is a bit like damn or something like that. And, oh, uh, and- our trickle-off textbooks, um, because I went to a school and my brother's five or six years older than me. Mm. Uh, so I used to get his trickle textbooks for French. Okay. And I could tell when my brother had got the book, because all of the – remember it used to say uh, – où est la plage and there'd be a, a a picture of a french man pointing towards the beach yeah the older kids would always draw big willies <laughs> <laughs> so your tech your trickle or textbook was covered in not not the correct answers to all the tasks but yeah. just pictures of willies and boobies and bo- <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah that's why english people can't speak uh, other languages because they're more interested in drawing rude pictures in the textbooks than actually learning the language apparently that's more interesting <laughs> to us we are pretty useless aren't we yeah i, I think so french at the moment how's my i oh, don't ask it's not good enough my what i always say is that my french isn't improving very much but my excuses are getting better all the time <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, it, the the fact is, it, I think I'm an example of someone that even if you live in the country and all the languages around you, if you're not sort of doing certain things, then uh, you're, you're, the, the language you're learning won't improve. So my situation is that I work in English. All my colleagues, we speak English together. Um, uh, I do the podcast in English. Uh, I speak English with my wife, and that's just you know in relationships. Usually, when you if you're sort of in a you know if one of you basically in a relationship, if you start speaking start the relationship in one language, then that's the relationship of the that's the language of the relationship. Not I didn't I didn't say that very well, did I? I'm even struggling with English these days, Moz. <laughs> Has Mrs. Has Mrs. Thompson given up with speaking to you in French? She never really started, but you know, it's it's always been in English uh, our relationship. And the moments where we do, like the other joke I say is that you know people say to me, "Why don't you practice with your wife at home?" And my answer to that is that I want the marriage to work. <laughs> you know, because basically in in uh, French, uh, I'm like Mr. Bean. You know, I'm, my IQ level drops significantly it drops by about a hundred so i'm i'm in minus figures because i wasn't that clever to start with so basically when we're at home and i'm speaking french like for example we will say okay on sundays we're going to just do it in french okay and so we're there kind of in the kitchen and 
we're trying to make breakfast and she's speaking French to me and I'm kind of like attempting to make the toast while dealing with French at the same time and I burn the toast, you know. <laughs> you know, because I can't, I, I just, I can't multitask. I can't multitask anyway, but also I can't multitask and uh, attempt to, to speak French and man- <laughs> and maintain the relationship. So, Very you know, so it ends up just, it, it's it's sort of just better if we speak English and that's just the way it works. It's just somehow impractical uh, to... to, to it, I know it's a great idea that, you know, you'll just speak f- French for a day, ev- the same day every week. You know, it would be good. We'd need to be very disciplined to, to maintain it. But, you know... Your, your wife is the smart one, though. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, of the two. She is the more intelligent one. So that, the you know... So it doesn't make any sense for our relationship <laughs> to, to kind of cripple our relationship by... By you know going to the lowest common denominator, which is my my French. I mean, it would just <laughs> you know, especially now. To be, we've got a child on the way. I don't know if you know. Um, Absolutely, congratulations, Mister Mister and Mrs. Lukey. Thank you very much. And I think for the welfare of my child, also, also, I think it's probably important that uh, we're able to actually communicate in the household. But the 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 baby will obviously be learning both languages. And uh, will eventually get to the point where uh, the you know the I'll say it's she it's a she it's a, it's 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 a girl I haven't said that on the podcast yet but, <gasps> exclusive uh, folks yeah. that was an exclusive exclusive yeah I don't know if anyone is really interested but the <laughs> I don't, like good we're fine good boy girl we don't care English anyway um, so it, she will be able to speak French you know naturally because she'll be living here and stuff mm. and so there will be there will come a time where um sh- she'll just look at me uh, this the only person in her life who speaks another language and she'll be just what's wrong with you why why are you, <laughs> you know, why are you the only ones per- like continuing in this in this other language what what can't you see everyone else speaks french what's wrong with you you idiot it's a, i learned it when i was one year old right yeah exactly like you know i'm an i'm i'm a child you know i'm pr- like scientifically less intelligent than you and yet i learned it really easily what's wrong with you i learned it before i could even learn to wipe my own bottom exactly yeah 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 so you know i've got that to look forward to so basically I, I've got to pull my socks up I've got to pull my finger out I've got to turn over a new leaf and I really oh, need fine. to get down to, to learning some French properly but I've been saying that for years When uh, it, when it, when is the uh, due date? Uh, it's sort of uh, mid to late December Oh wow, okay Yeah, so uh, I don't have long to get the French uh, <laughs> up to scratch <laughs> oh my lord i know crazy times <laughs> yeah fantastic now anyway what about you then so um where are you at this point can you tell me yeah uh i am in because i live on a canal boat yeah uh, i have to move around every two weeks uh it's part of the rules mm. uh that if you're in a canal boat you have to move about a mile to two miles every two weeks okay um but on the, can- the can- london canal system is tiny Hmm. it's really small like people think it's like venice but it's not it's uh it's pretty small so i'm currently up in essex oh okay a, a place called harlow 
Okay, what's it like then in in Harlow on the canal? <laughs> it's. Do you know what? It's nice. It's. Um, I'm about forty minutes from the city, but you're surrounded by countryside. It's really peaceful. There's badgers. There's there's monk jack. Oh yeah, deer. No, yeah, there's little. There's little tiny palm sized deer. Palm, They're probably palm pa- size. Pa- sorry, palm size. I, I think the baby ones are palm size. Like they fit in your hand. Yeah, but they babies. make really weird noises when they're, when they're um, when they're rutting. <laughs> what? Are we allowed to use the word rutting? You can use the word rutting because that's the term. That's the correct term. But you're going to have to explain what rutting means and why we uh, say rutting instead of uh, any other word. Like, go on, explain rutting. Go ahead. Well, for Luke's listeners. <laughs> Uh, uh, rutting uh, I think that's the technical term for wild animals when they are procreating I think it's it's mainly used for deer is it? yeah I don't think we say that fish rut do we? that's true we don't talk about rutting fish or rutting birds I think it's mainly for deer Uh, let me just let me just check here (laughs) you're going straight onto wikipedia google uh rutting (laughs) Uh, google image search for oh not an image search sorry (laughs) you do not want to do that (laughs) (laughs) not videos no i don't want videos i just want a a dictionary definition of of rutting have Uh, you not had coffee this morning uh, i haven't had any coffee this morning no (laughs) okay so here it's an um rutting is uh, according to the collins dictionary they describe it as um first of all an adjective so for example a rutting uh a rutting deer rutting rutting male animals such as deer are in in a period of sexual excitement and activity I know the feeling. And the, here's the here is the uh, uh, example from Collins Dictionary. This is the example they've chosen to put on their dictionary, and it goes dot 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 jokes about bitches in heat and rutting stags. <laughs> uh, I love it. Okay, and uh, rutting during the rutting season, uh, the big boars those those are wild pigs have the most terrible mating battles. So basically, rutting. Animal rutting deer. That's when the deer have sex and they get very excited. The male ones get very excited and they fight with each other. And it tends to happen at certain times in the year. Okay, all right. So what? When the deer are rutting, they make incredible noises, do they? Yeah, it's it's a weird kind of. It's a scratchy howl. Oh right. I think that's. It's weird to explain because foxes make when they're mating. Not rutting, mating. Mm-hmm. The, the, the female makes a really, really, a really high pitched scream, which sounds like someone being murdered, which is a sound I recognise. Uh, <laughs> well, yes, as we will, uh, as we will dis- discuss in a bit, because you're kind I'm of a mass murderer. You're a mass, um, mur- you're a mass murderer. That's true. He's but, not. Uh, he's not really yeah, a mass no, murderer. Sorry. I could be. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, so uh, yeah, monk jack make a really weird sound. Yeah. I don't know how, how did I get onto that. Um, I was asking you about what it's like living on the boat and uh, the yeah. environment that you're in there uh, on the canal in Essex, and you were saying that actually you're not far from the city. You're, you're yes. not, but but you're surrounded by nature, for example. And then you 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 gladly started talking about rutting deers and <laughs> mating foxes and murder. Well, for listeners who've uh, heard me on Luke's English podcast before, this is about normal. Yeah. <laughs> 
pretty very normal <laughs> pretty normal level stuff so what what led you uh, we've been we may have been through this before on the podcast but um I'm always curious about the story. What led you to to choose to live on a boat then, uh, amongst rutting animals? I do you know what? I always wanted to live on a boat. Mm-hmm. It's kind of one of my dreams was always to either live on a boat or to live in a city. Because I come from the countryside, so I'm not used to the city. Mm. Um, but yeah, no. So I bought a boat, thinking, oh, it'd be a nice way for me to live, and it is for a single man living on a little boat. It's good fun. This is my office. Um, this is where I live, and it, it, it's cheap, but it's exciting. Okay. I get new neighbours all the time, and yeah, it's good fun. If you were a mass murderer, would living oh. on a would living on a boat help or or not? I think it would because you're off the radar technically. Because I'm not registered for council tax. Nice. I'm not registered to boat. Um, to boat to vote. <laughs> I am registered to to vote, but you're not registered uh, to vote. Yeah, and also I don't I don't have a uh, I don't have a home address. Oh right, really? How do you get? Well, you get mail through like a, a box or I, something. I got I've got a PO box. Yeah. Okay. So all of my post goes there, but my post box is fifty miles away from where I am now. I see. Okay. So, so, so it's a bit of a big. So if you were in a position to start. I mean, I'm not con- I'm not condoning mass murder or suggesting ways in which you could do it, but I mean, but but <laughs> <laughs> how would you go about being a mass murderer then, Moz? Because you've you've in all of your research for Murder Mile tours, you must have read about uh, uh, a lot of mass murderers, and so how would you go about doing it if you if you chose to do it? Which obviously you wouldn't choose to do it because you're a normal person. That's but, true. But um, how would you do it then with your boat? It, interestingly, I did. So on my Murder Mile Walks website, I do a weekly blog every week. I try and find different murder cases to discuss and, you know, different ideas. Mm-hmm. So I go through different weeks. Sometimes it'll be what is the average height of a murderer or what is their weight? What is their eye color? Mm-hmm. And one week I thought, I wonder if there's any good murders that have happened on the canal. Ah. Because quite often I I remember going through um I think it was Broadway Market about two years ago and the police had sectioned off the walkway and uh, you couldn't get your boat down the canal. The police had put the like the, the very fine police tape mm-hmm. across it. And I snuck up, I spoke to the police lady and I said, What's what's going on? She went, Oh, um a body has been discovered. Mm-hmm. Which, which you you do get on the canals quite a lot because quite often um, someone may commit suicide kind of uh, northwest of London and the body floats down mm-hmm. and it can't, it's only when it hits kind of a corner that the body actually you know stops stops moving in the water yeah yeah or, or if it hits a lock but actually on this day. Uh, the police lady was being a bit polite about it. She said, "Oh, we found a body," but actually, it was um, it was a lady who'd been murdered. Oh wow! And I've I've been past two so far, so I've put them on my website. Yeah. Uh, so, so one of them was oh grisly details. Actually, no, there's three. There was three within a mile of each other. And so, and and you just by coincidence were in the area at the time. Just a coincidence. A, a friend of mine was. <laughs> 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 yeah in fact i wasn't even there in fact i was 
abroad. You were abroad, okay. Is that, yeah. is that the official statement or...? So while I was on holiday, a friend of mine was walking... In fact, he's not even a friend. He's just someone who I, I think I know. In fact, uh, I don't know him at all. Is he dead now as well or...? Uh, no, he's he's very alive. Okay, all right. Sorry, carry on, carry on. <laughs> so, um, okay, so there was three murders in the canal within space of each other. I think what a lot of people do is tend to think that the canal is a good place to dispose of a body. Okay. So there was two. There was one over in uh, King's Cross. So anyone who's come to London knows King's Cross. Uh, you've got the big train station coming in. I think the Eurostar comes into there. Yes, yeah, just St Pancras, just next door, yeah. Yes, uh, but right at the back of that is actually uh, the Regent's Canal, right. which is the main canal that goes to uh, the City of London. Um, and quite often that has been used for dumping rubbish, but also corpses. Um, So about three years ago, there was a guy, I can't remember his name now, Um, there was a drug deal that was happening in Islington, which is about half a mile north of King's Cross. Mm -hmm. The guys that he was buying drugs off were a bit bit high, he was a bit high, he overdosed on drugs. They decided to take this guy's card and start withdrawing all of his money, and then when when their drug effect wore off, they were like, oh! what are we going to do? We literally have a corpse in our living room. Yeah. We need to get rid of him. So they put him into, uh, you might hear there's a boat going past now. Um, uh-huh. They put him into a shopping trolley, the kind that you get in a supermarket. They tied his arms and legs to it, mm-hmm. realized he was still alive and they pushed him into the canal. Oh my God. He was still and alive. I, well, I found out that I'd actually been over his corpse the day before oh, i didn't realize i was going under i think it's uh islington tunnel i'd gone through that on the thursday yeah. and on the friday was when they discovered his corpse oh. and he'd been there for a couple of days oh creepy yeah and do you know if they managed to to find the the guys who did it the, the culprits yes absolutely they they were they were found guilty of not murder but they were found guilty of uh, what's it called? It's called manslaughter. Um, no, not at all. It's it's it's. There's a law which is if oh a denial of a proper burial. Denial of a proper burial, really? But didn't you say that he was still alive when they didn't uh, realise that they thought that he he had died oh, from a drug overdose, but in fact he was yes. still alive? You're right. It was manslaughter, wasn't so it? it? Must yeah, have been manslaughter, I guess. But yeah, no denial of a proper burial was the the kind of the main charge that they could definitely pin on them. Right. Yeah. 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 Which is which is a, a big no no. If like if um, if someone does die in your house, mm. you have to alert the police. You have to alert alert the authorities, and they have to be given a proper burial. Otherwise, it's against the law. Wow, fascinating <laughs> stuff. There was another one not too far from there where. Uh, I think there was people in England all know the TV series EastEnders. Yeah, like a, sort of a soap opera that's on the TV every every other day. It seems to oh, be like three God. or four times a week. And the story hasn't changed in about fifty years. Yeah, it's all it's all <laughs> set around one sort of square, one made up square with a few streets in it and a few houses and just like a handful of people. And you know, it's just the most dramatic like little part of london where all sorts of dramatic things happen like all the time and one pub and every six months someone turns up 
in Albert Square where EastEnders is based, and they seem to own ten percent of the pub. What? That's the plot line that happens every six months: is that someone new turns up and they seem to own part of the pub. So some new person comes along and they're like, "Look, I own ten percent of this pub. Like you've never met me before, but my auntie's yeah. grandma's cousin's sister yeah. left it to me in the, her will, and now yeah. I'm, I've got a legal right to ten percent of this pub. So I'm now officially a new character in this show. <laughs> I'm Dirty Den's twin brother. Right, right, clean yeah. den. <laughs> so, um, so, uh, so there was an actress I can't remember her name she was in EastEnders years ago a bit of a bit part mm-hmm. um, and I think her and her brother her brother was like a, a very heavy kind of cannabis user like like skunk right he, smoke, he smoked skunk all the time yeah the, the really serious stuff that you know can make you go a bit loopy right um, he had an argument with her killed her in their house chopped up the body and then wrapped up the bits her limbs and her torso put them in a suitcase and dumped them in the canal and that was actually that that was the day that i that the friend of mine when i was on holiday yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that, that's the day when i saw the police lady and asked her what's in the canal and she said oh it's we found a body that's what it was it was it was a suitcase full of body parts so wait this guy was like had been smoking loads of skunk he was really high and he murdered her and chopped her up and put all her limbs in a suitcase and dumped it in the canal how did he manage to do that if he if he was high intro this is the the worst thing as well well not the worst thing the oddest thing Mm -hmm. yes he was entirely high but also he didn't have a car so he had to get a taxi go over to b&q so like a, a hardware store yeah he bought loads of bin bags and saws and things like that. He chopped up her body in the bath. I think, from what I remember, he bought some uh, acid to try and get rid of some of the body parts. <sighs> and then he had to hire a taxi to take him to the canal with the, with the heavy suitcase that he had to drag to dump the body in the canal. And the, the taxi driver was like, do you need any help with that, mate? And uh, <laughs> he's like, no, no, it's all right, I've got it. And just off he goes no questions asked <laughs> you going to Heathrow uh, no just the canal <laughs> canal oh uh, I see taking a heavy suitcase to the canal is it sir <laughs> just one of those jobs no problem yeah just excuse my sister <laughs> yeah oh weird and, and so uh, they, they caught him I suppose then he was caught he went to prison so yeah uh, wow so there's just a- there's just murder happening all the time all around us especially you oh, well there is actually murder happening everywhere which is kind of where i came up with the idea for murder mile walks okay can you just remind us of, of what murder mile walks is again absolutely so for for those of you who've uh, listened to the murder mile episode that we did before we discussed uh, a walking tour that i run which is uh, a guided walk of soho so soho if you've been into the west end of london you've been into theater land soho is basically oxford street regent street uh, Shaftesbury Avenue where Theatreland is and Charing Cross Road so that area in the middle of there is Soho and what I decided to do was do a murder walk murder mm. um, so basically I took that very small area and I intensively investigated loads of murders in that area and what it actually does show is that murders aren't spread out they're not everywhere they're not in different places and far apart they're actually quite close together 
Hmm. Even on one street, like um, on one street that I use, I don't do it on the tour, but on one street, almost every building has a murder in it. Wow. So, so it seems that certain places get more murders than others. No, I don't think so. I think, um, I mean, across the UK every year, there's 300 murders on average. Wow. Do, and do we, United- sorry, do we know how many people are... are uh, caught and and uh, sent to jail for those murders do you know do you know if if people get away with them no they don't get away with them as as much as you would think especially not today the thing is um what i always thought it you know when you see murders on telly it's always premeditated it's always something clever Mm. do do you know like columbo the tv series columbo oh yeah it's always a clever murder that someone has thought out and they've planned it and they've they know what to do and they know how to hide the evidence Mm -hmm. um but in real life most murders are kind of crimes of passion most of them are committed by people who are either drunk or on drugs or both Mm. and it normally involves either relationships or money Okay, I see. So what I think, and normally it's not premeditated, so they haven't thought about it. Normally someone has said, you owe me money, I'm not going to give you money. They have a fight, that's it. Okay, I see. And, and, and so the police, t- so everyone knows who's done it, everyone knows how it was done. The police turn up, case solved. Okay, all right. Then. So most murders are really dull. <laughs> i mean they're not like someone being put into a shopping trolley and dumped in a canal that's pretty that's a pretty uh interesting one i have to say can i throw in a, another one from the canal before we go back to please, murder please do please do there's uh, if you go onto my murder mile murder mile blog and type in canal you'll mm-hmm. see all the the blog murders on there they're all in full details with nice grisly pictures there was another one. It was over in Harlesden. So Harlesden is probably about two miles away from Little Venice, which is kind of the main... It's a really nice canal area near Paddington. In London. And there was a, um, a Polish couple that were there. They'd been having... Smoking a bit of crack, getting a bit, of, getting a bit high. As you do, uh, just smoking a little bit of crack. We all do that. I'm doing that now. <laughs> That's my breakfast. He's not actually smoking crack, ladies and gentlemen. No, I'm smoking a crack. He's, you're smoking a crack, okay, which yeah. is different to just smoking crack. Smoking a crack. Which... <laughs> do you want to explain that? <laughs> oh, my God. That comes from a TV show that we used to watch when we were younger in the 90s. and it, Oh, I can't explain it. But, ladies and gentlemen, don't worry. He's, he doesn't smoke crack. He's not smoking any any kind of stuff. He's just... It's just Moz being Moz, okay? I'm just high on life. He's just high on, on life and murder, so, apparently. Murder. So I do like murder. So th- there was this uh, Polish couple that come to the UK about two years ago, or two years before mm-hmm. she was uh, the lady was murdered. Um, they said in the court transcript that they'd been smoking crack. Uh, things got out of hand. They had an argument. Um, and her husband decided to get rid of her he was like right i'm gonna get a suitcase i'm gonna put her in the suitcase he he'd beaten her about quite badly he'd hit her over the head he put her in a suitcase and he dragged her down to the canal and he dumped her body in the canal Mm -hmm. and the suitcase floated for about two miles until it made its way to little venice and then uh, some people i know who own a canal boat as well Mm. they saw 
a suitcase floating in the water. Right. And which is something you kind of get used to around here. Do you know, there's a lot of rubbish in the water, except poking out of the top of the suitcase was hair. Oh. Ladies' red hair. And police came along, they sealed off the area. And when they opened up the suitcase, obviously, the lady was in there. But it turns out that she wasn't dead. Oh, my God. It looks like she was still... She was either unconscious or she was still alive. Wait, wait, when they opened the suitcase, she was still alive? Or she was still alive when she was dumped into the water? When she was dumped in the suitcase. uh, When she was dumped in the water. And the suitcase was... If you were to crouch up into a ball... Yeah. That's about the size of the suitcase. Like, yeah, I see. Just, Just enough size for a person to squeeze in. Mm. Uh, so oh my goodness i know oh creepy it's really creepy man no but there's loads of murders all around so that's that's the kind of the things that i like doing with murder mile the walk yeah is having a good poke around different streets and digging into not just every murder most murders are quite dull most murders are men having fights Mm -hmm. pretty much but occasionally you come across a really nice one (laughs) a nice one a really juicy one occasionally (laughs) you come across serial killers and uh things like that well in the last episode that you were featured in on this podcast uh you did tell us about dennis nielsen who's uh, uh, a famous uh, serial killer who operated in the soho area and uh people who join your walking tour will no doubt find out all about dennis nielsen um and can, uh, I, do, can yeah. I do a shout out to everyone who from uh luke's podcast who's come on the murder mile walks we've had quite a few come along and everyone's been really lovely oh that's good and and do you know um who did we have last so last week was uh, a big shout out to uh uh claudia nussbaumer who came on my walk about two weeks ago she'd um she was coming over to london anyway and she'd drawn up a list of things she wanted to do, and on one of those lists uh, was to do Murder Mile Walks, thanks to Luke's podcast. All right, nice one. Excellent. So my, I guess, I guess my check is in the post. Um, yeah. <laughs> Hang on. Um, um, oh, my pen's ran out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't worry. It's on its way. It's on its way. <laughs> um, that's brilliant. And, um, I mean, it's. I guess it's been about two years you've been doing the, the walking tours. Mm. Yeah. So I've i do one to two a week uh they last about two hours so i've done about 150 of them yeah um but it's great you get it's interesting so at the start i thought all of my customers would be men in their 40s kind of looking like me Mm -hmm. but it's not it's all women really almost all women and every time i do a tour say there's 15 to 20 people yeah they'll be Okay, say if there's 15, there'll be 13 that are women, two will be men, and the men will look like they've been dragged along. Not dragged along like in a suitcase, (laughs) ready to be dumped into a canal. (laughs) Although that probably does happen. But yeah, no, women love it. Interesting that, isn't it? Yeah, you Mm -hmm. talked about that before, I remember. Yeah. Uh, And uh, you also mentioned the fact that uh, you were were very happy uh, that so many women were attending your tour. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which uh you know perfectly understandable um, but it's good it's, it's been a good good two years it's going really well um I, I i had an interesting one around my birthday so um so around my on my 40th birthday 
I thought, uh, oh, I'll go out and have some fun, have a couple of drinks, mm-hmm. as, as you do. Uh, obviously, I entirely forgot that I live on a boat. Uh, I had far too many drinks. I got a cab all the way home. Yeah. The problem was I, I couldn't see the difference between the towpath and my boat. Oh, dear. And I took a bit of a step, and I missed the boat, which was good, but I hit the water with such force that I broke three ribs oh mate yeah you you have mentioned that to me before did i mention that on on the body yeah you mentioned that you broke three ribs you didn't tell us um you know about it in any detail really oh yeah no what i did i did the walk the next week and i was in such agony absolute agony if if any of your listeners have ever broken ribs Mm. ooh, painful right and they don't heal and so you were doing your walking tour with several broken ribs and perhaps a bit of a hangover as well still a chest infection as well a chest infection too oh my god i could barely i could barely hold myself in fact i woke up in the morning and i couldn't stand up and it took me half an hour to reach for my phone and i thought i have to call the ladies who have booked on the tour today i have to call them and tell them i can't do the tour Mm -hmm. and then i thought to myself do you know what that's unprofessional so uh, uh, I did it. I crawled into town. I got there. I was barely holding myself upright. And the ladies came walking towards me, all with sunglasses on. I went, uh, hi, I'm really sorry. It's going to be a slow walk today because I'm in a lot of pain. And they went, don't worry, we're hungover. <laughs> <laughs> so so we all held each other up. It was lovely. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. And I saw that you received a certificate of excellence from TripAdvisor. Oh, yes. Uh, you get um if you get consistent five star reviews from TripAdvisor yeah. uh, um over i think i think it's it has to be across a year then they send you the certificate of excellence wow which is great that was one of my goals for the year so i've so far i've got 122 five star reviews that's wonderful mate i'm really really which, glad for you really good well done which is, as we know as edinburgh performers <laughs> I didn't get any. <laughs> yeah, because you—that's right. I mean, um, a lot of our friends have just finished their run at the Edinburgh Festival. Yeah. Um, you did go up to Edinburgh a couple of years, didn't you? Yeah, I think I think just before just before I met you, probably a month before that, I'd just done my first play, which was Moz and the Meal. Right. And uh, so the first performance Luke probably ever saw me perform was uh moz the cannibal yeah i remember moz the cannibal so ladies and gentlemen if you just just in case you're not managing to keep up with this uh, (laughs) moz and i know each other because we used to perform comedy together in london right and since then moz has sort of moved away from the theater performances and the comedy and has started doing the the guided tours which i think is probably a really great idea because um Mm. you know you can add the the theatrics into it you can add the storytelling you can add the sort of uh the dark comedy the dark comedy in there while also leading people around a nice walking tour of london and it's just a really great way of sort of using those 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 comedy skills to great effect so i think it's a and really meeting good new people as well which i love right yeah you get to meet all these these uh these women yeah oh, absolutely yeah <laughs> um and um so we know each other from comedy and um yeah so uh we we used to do this comedy workshop together uh with people like alex love as well who's been on this podcast and paul langton as well and um 
so at the end of the workshop course, uh, there would be a, a showcase where all of the people who'd been doing the, the workshops would um, do five minutes of comedy in front of an audience. And so all the people would bring their friends, and so the room was completely full. And the first uh, showcase performance, hosted by Logan Murray, and the first comedian to come up, he brought you up because he thought you were going to be doing like a cute, fun thing about... Uh, Umbongo Explorer. He Umbongo was Fruit Juice, like a guy who... Uh, goes into the jungle to explore the ingredients of a famous fruit juice called umbongo and it was like <laughs> it was it was like sweet and it was you know uh not very controversial really and it was nice and all that stuff that's what he thought you were going to do you turn yeah. up in a suit covered in blood, blood head to toe in blood and you, you proceed to do your performance of moz the cannibal which is all about basically a man who enjoys eating murdering and eating people it was it was the the story was it was uh i I was a cannibal i'd eaten my girlfriend and her body was slowly working its way through my bowel (laughs) and so while while we're on stage uh the what was left of my girlfriend was trying to work its way out of my bottom right okay (laughs) and uh you know all my friends uh who'd come to see me perform uh they couldn't believe what they were seeing i have to say some of them were like really shocked like genuinely uh, really yes. shocked by it but you know it was, there was it, a guess from one joke i did it's it was one of the darkest jokes i've ever pulled off and it didn't get a laugh it just got a gasp yeah yeah and it, me, that was enough yeah it, yeah it really shocked I mean, everyone remembers it it was uh really shocking and memorable it certainly got the evening off to an interesting start yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that, that's what I love about Murder Mile is you can you can put in that kind of uh, it's a mixture of performance and dark comedy, and it's amazing what people laugh at on the on the walk. Mm, mm. There's um, we obviously earlier on you were talking about serial killer Dennis Nielsen. Yeah, and Dennis plays a very key part in the walk. We kind of start and end with Dennis. But what people don't know is it, is the tour is interspersed with little bits of information about Dennis. And there's uh, the wonderful bit halfway through. I go, this is just a quick bit. So up there at the end of the street, uh, that's Oxford Street just up there. Um, on this day, basically Dennis Nielsen met his final victim walking along there. Mm-hmm. And it's all, you know, it's, it's kind of, oh, okay, that's good. Um, they went back to the flat, had a bit of sex. And then Dennis killed him. Oh. And then, and, and then, while the while the victim was dead, Dennis had sex with the corpse. Hey. And it's one of those it's one of those weird moments where when I mention because it's I use key words to make instead of saying, and over there they met Dennis, I say uh, a shy man who worked at the job centre. It's where we start the tour, and people, it's kind of a welcome reminder for people going oh oh, I remember what this is. It's about Dennis. But every time I say a shy man who worked at the job centre, everyone goes, yay! <laughs> it's, and I always go, is this right? We're laughing and enjoying the fact that Dennis Dennis Nielsen is a serial killer, but everyone loves it. Yeah, it's creepy, isn't it? And it just Sweet. shows that, weirdly, the gruesome, sort of disgusting stuff that you did in that performance at our comedy showcase, mm. uh, that shocked everyone and they're all stunned. And then you do kind of the same thing, telling the same 
grisly details, but actually in the context of a, a murder mile uh, walk and you're on the street where it happened and suddenly everyone's laughing and cheering. It's great. So it's, it's, it's context. It's, and actually it's really good. It's been good for me as a, a writer as well because um, when you're performing on stage, you, you can't really see the audience, so you can't really tell what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. whereas what i find with murder mile it's it's great it's just 15 people that i have on my tour maybe 20 at max but i can see their faces i can watch their expressions and i can i can tell when new jokes are starting to work i, I throw in new jokes and new details all the time just to keep people entertained and also keep myself entertained yeah and you can you can see people like their their eyes kind of wide open their mouths drop as you go into these really horrific details about people. Yeah, well, that's what they've come for, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah. Well, the thing that, the thing that I, I think is important with the tour is I try to give you an insight into the area where you are. So you see the actual building itself. Because mm-hmm. I, I think it's important to be able to touch and see things. Mm. Do you know, if, if I say something happens in, in a building, I think it's good to be able to touch it. Um, but also I give you a background into the characters, so whether the murderer or the victims. So by the time that I mention that they're murdered, I like I like my audience to feel uh, quite upset, either upset or, do you know, sometimes people cry on my tours. Yeah, which is appropriate, really, because, you know, yeah. by, by telling them all about these people and their lives, you're reminding them that they're not just murder victims, that they're first and foremost people. Yeah. And, and so if people do, if your, um, your participants do get a bit upset, then that's, that's appropriate, really, because it's upsetting because these were just ordinary people and they, and they got killed, you know. So I think it I, probably adds a bit of humanity to, to mm. proceedings. Interestingly, I think that's what I found with writing and performing this is that it's become more human. Mm. It, it, I get a lot of good, I get a lot of good reviews. I've had reviews from Time Out, and what people say is something I'd never picked up on, but I guess it's right. Is that it is good fun, and we do have a giggle about murder, but it's never at. You know, we're never making fun of the victims. It's always kind of the irony of it. Right, yeah. And, I, and actually, it's all done in a... Um, I actually do the tour with quite a moral tone. Yeah. yeah. All the way through. So, uh, But it's good fun. You get to solve a, a very... Uh, an old 80-year-old murder, which is good fun. Yeah. I was just yeah. thinking that often the, the comedy comes from the... As you said, the irony of it. And the irony mm. of the fact that... Uh, that the, often the murderers are kind of really stupid. They're kind of like slapstick uh, movie idiots, you know, yes. trying to get trying to get away with this murder that they will never get away with. Like you talked about the people who, you know, put the guy in the shopping trolley into and put him in the <laughs> canal. It's like you, you know, the yeah. canal's not that deep. Um, sh- attaching someone to a shopping trolley isn't. It's not going to work, you know. But also, bodies float. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, so it's it's almost like the, these these. It's like you know Laurel and Hardy trying to lift the piano up the stairs. It's just they're not. It's never going to happen. It's impossible. No. You know. Similarly, these kind of uh, these murderers who've committed a crime without really realizing what they're doing, and then they're desperately trying to get away with it. Um, it's just ridiculous, really. Um, yeah. Um, now you have also started. Uh, making a podcast, right? It's called what? The Murder Mile Podcast. 
Murder Mile True Crime Podcast. Murder Mile True Crime Podcast. Okay. Getting all my keywords in there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You've got to get the keywords in. Uh, Murder Mile True Crime Podcast. So, well, I guess and, this this does exactly what it says on the tin, I imagine. Yeah. I mean, this kind of started by accident, really. Um, a lot of people came on my tour. They loved it. And they were like, when's the next one? And I was like, oh, I'm writing it now. I'm writing the next tour. So I... Instead of Murder Mile uh, Soho, I was doing Murder Mile Covent Garden. Okay. Uh, so for your listeners, Covent Garden, if you've been to London, you will almost certainly have been there. But it's literally half a mile from Soho. It's a very kind of old uh, market area, full of history, but also full of lots of great murders as well. Yeah. Um, so I started writing the new Murder Mile, but I haven't... I hadn't got enough people on the Murder Mile tour to make a second tour viable, mm-hmm. which was a, a bit a bit galling. But then I thought to myself, do you know what? I've got 300 plus murders that I've investigated that I can't put onto Murder Mile because it has strict rules. So I'll turn it into a podcast. All right. And that's kind of where it started. And I love it. So it's a half an hour episode every week. Um Oh, sorry, every two weeks, because okay. they take two, two weeks to research, write, edit, mm-hmm. perform. <laughs> yeah. Um, and basically what I do is it's a mixture of a true crime podcast and a guided walk. Okay. So what you do is you pop your earplugs in, switch it on. I introduce you to a location in the street. Yeah. So I'll say, here we are. We're in a street. This is what the street looks like. So while you're lying there, I can give you a visual description of why, where the street is, whilst at the same time you're listening to the, the actual sounds of the street. Mm. I actually mm. physically go out and record the sounds of the street. I introduce you to the history of the street, which is relevant to the murder. Mm-hmm. Slowly I introduce the character, so maybe the murderer, or maybe I, maybe I just focus on the victims. So by the time you're halfway into the podcast and the murder starts... You're really, you know everything about this life. You know about these people, you, and you'll feel sorry for them. But and hopefully, it makes for quite an engaging and uh, emotional and dramatic podcast. I hope that's great. But where can people find it? Um, so it launches on first of October. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've, two thousand seventeen. Two thousand seventeen. Good point. First of October, two thousand seventeen, which is a Sunday. It will be on iTunes. Uh, if you go to my website, murdermiletours.com, mm-hmm. go into podcast, what I do with each single episode is there's a page that comes with it. Yeah. Because I think, I think what's missing with most murder podcasts is people tend to sit and waffle for about an hour. What do you mean, waffle? Oh, yeah, good point. So for Luke's listeners, <laughs> waffle is a Belgian snack, but... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it is it is it but is. uh it's also a kind of a british way of saying people talking but not really getting to the point right which is basically just you know rambling like what we do very well exactly yeah this is what <laughs> yeah a lot of what goes into luke's english podcast is waffling but it's good waffle yeah exactly it's the highest quality uh english <laughs> waffling with uh look- with maple syrup and all the toppings and low calorie, low calorie waffle, low calorie as well. It's good for you, yeah. in fact. <laughs> so it's what, one in five a day. Waffling, rambling, same thing. 
so yeah no so um so with the podcast is uh, a page that you can go to and what, what even though I describe the location that you're in where the murders happened, mm-hmm. what I also do is enclose original pictures of the location during that era, uh, an interactive map so you can see how close all of the murders are. Yeah. Because all of these murders are within one square mile. Yeah. And, and this is where I can start. Uh, remember I said about the street where there's loads of murders? Yeah. It's this is the first six episodes is literally that street. Wow. Amazing. So this is a street just in the Covent Garden area. Oh no, so this is in Soho. Oh, okay. um, just I'm sticking to Soho at the moment. Right. But um yeah, so each episode uh is just one single murder. But hopefully that if people follow the series they can kind of there's stories that merge into each other. Yeah. Yeah. So it is it is almost like being on a guided walk. Yeah. Oh, it sounds great. So people, people can either just listen to it at home, wherever they are, yep. and they will be transported to this, these locations uh, with the sound effects and your descriptions and stuff, and then you'll tell them the stories that happen yep. in those locations. Or if they're in London, they can find the locations and they can actually listen while they're kind of walking around those spots and uh, mm-hmm. it'll be a great accompaniment to their own private little walk. On on my website at the moment, I've built in an interactive uh, map. So if you are in London, as of October, you can go in, you can click on any of the uh, the maps, and it will take you directly to the podcast link. So you can stand in front of the original building and listen to uh, listen to the story and the original sounds as well. That's brilliant. So you've got a page on your website devoted to the podcast. Is that right? Yes. So what is it? MurderMileTours.com slash podcast or something? Slash, slash podcast. Absolutely. And as of October, uh, the first you get a special page dedicated to every single episode with, uh, every time I find like really interesting videos and documentaries and to do with that murder case, mm. I tie it into the website. That's amazing. Okay, and if people want to book themselves on one of the tours, uh, what, murdermiletours.com and just make a booking? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it's, it's every Sunday. Hopefully I'll start doing more tours, and I do private tours as well. Okay, awesome, brilliant. I haven't uh, been on one of your tours yet, but uh, next time we're going to be in London. I've no idea when, when that will be uh, at this rate, but uh, <laughs> what with uh, all the busy things going on. Busy, busy. Yeah. But- also, well, can I ask you questions, Mr. Luke? Yes. Can I ask you questions about podcasting? Yes, of course. Hello, everyone. I'm stopping the conversation there, and it will actually continue in the next episode. Okay. Um, now, I very much hope that you've enjoyed listening to those grisly details about murders that happened in London, as well as just the rest of the conversation with Moz. You heard just there at the end. Moz asking me about the podcast, about my podcast. And in the next episode, you'll hear us chatting first of all about what goes into making a podcast. I talk about my audience. That's you. Uh, We discuss English as a global language, how much English native speakers don't realise how difficult it can be for non-natives to understand them. We talk about what makes a good communicator, uh, words that sound rude in other languages, 
personal things that I've shared in uh, previous episodes of this podcast, uh, whether or not you should post pictures of your children on social media, the effects of social media and artificial intelligence on our lives today and in the future, how we both hate mosquitoes and what happens when you kill them, and also Moz's guide to how to identify different drug addicts by how they smell. So you can look forward to all of that stuff in the next episode. Now, if you feel like you missed some of the vocabulary in this episode, if you were listening and certain words kind of passed you by, um, then check out the episode page on my website and you'll see some words and phrases written there for your reference. Okay, um, here are some details again of Moz's work just in case you missed them. So you should check out Moz's website where you can book a place on a tour in London, if you happen to be in London. Uh, They happen every Sunday. And you can also read Moz's blog with various murder stories. All that stuff can be found on murdermiletours.com. That's M-U-R-D-E-R-M-I-L-E-T-O-U-R-S.com, murdermiletours.com. Uh, Moz's Murder Mile True Crime podcast will be released um, on the 1st of October and you'll be able to listen to it on iTunes and on his website where uh, you'll also be able to access uh, those podcast pages with photos and interactive maps and stuff like that. That's the website and his podcast can be found at murdermiletours.com slash podcast. I think if it's on iTunes, it'll probably be on lots of other podcasting apps and things. So check out the app that you use. Search for the podcast. Um, in fact, um, you can already subscribe to Moz's podcast, uh, even though episode one hasn't been uploaded yet. You can already subscribe to it because at the moment there is like a sort of there's a four minute introduction uh, there, uh, which you can listen to. So if you subscribe to it, then as soon as the first proper episode is available on the 1st of October, you'll be one of the first people to to listen to it. As a preview of his podcast, here is Moz's four-minute introduction, which he's agreed for me to play here at the end of this episode. Okay, so this is now Moz's little four-minute preview as an introduction to his podcast, which is coming soon or possibly even available right now as you listen to this. Welcome to this brief introduction of the Murder Mile True Crime Podcast. So what's it all about, you're probably asking? Well, Murder Mile is not just a regular true crime podcast, where someone sits down and recants the basic details about a murderer you've probably never met, a victim you never knew, in a place you've never been to, the story of which you've probably heard about a hundred times before, as they cherry-pick the goriest details of some of the grisliest murders from around the world. What makes a good murder story great is familiarity. As the closer a murder occurs to your home, the more personal it becomes, the more engrossed you become, and the greater the feelings you have for the victims, their stories, their lives, and even the murderers themselves. That's a pretty hard thing to pull off in a podcast. Listen to by anyone, anywhere in the world at any time. Which is why I've created Murder Mile. Murder Mile is a true crime podcast, and also 
a guided walk of more than 300 murders, all set within one square mile of London's West End. The idea being that, no matter where you are, no matter where you live, no matter where you listen to this podcast, I want to show you that there is murder everywhere, in every town, on every street, and often in every building. And yet by focusing on a small number of murders, all within a very small area, even if you've never been to London and have no plans to visit the city, you'll quickly become very familiar with a recurring set of streets, buildings, victims and murderers. In every episode I'll take you on a personal guided walk of each murder location, giving you a full description of what you'll see, hear and smell. But by using authentic street sounds, recorded at the actual murder location itself, as well as realistically recreated sound effects to make you feel like you're actually standing there as we closely follow both the murderer and the victim in those last fateful moments. A new episode of the Murder Mile podcast is launched every two weeks. It lasts roughly 30 minutes and will feature stories you'll probably hear for the very first time. Because even as a local myself, I'm hearing about these stories for the first time too. As I research each murder using court transcripts and first-hand testimony. Each episode is also accompanied by a blog complete with an interactive map of all of the murders as well as relevant news articles, crime scene photos, links, audio tracks, videos and recent snapshots of the murder location itself so you can see exactly what it looks like as well as a full transcript of each episode. You can get this simply by visiting my website which is murdermiletours.com forward slash podcast or by clicking the link in the show notes on each episode. The Murder Mile True Crime podcast contains vivid descriptions which some listeners may find disturbing, as well as very realistic sounds. It also contains fabulous music, which is written and performed by Colt with no name. Thank you for choosing the Murder Mile True Crime podcast. If you do like us, please do subscribe to the series and like us and share us with your friends. Thank you. And enjoy the episodes. So that was uh, Moz's preview to his podcast, which will be available from the 1st of October. Okay, so that's pretty much it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks again to Moz for coming on the show. Um, part two will be available soon. Don't forget to join the mailing list on the website to get access to all of the episode pages and website-only content when all that stuff is published. Shout out to the comment section crew. Shout out to the transcription and proofreading teams. You can check out their work by visiting the website and clicking on transcripts. Shout out to all the long-term Lepsters, the mid-term Lepsters, and any new listeners. Uh, shout out to anyone commuting or travelling anywhere while listening to this. If you're in transit, then happy travels. Uh, shout out to anyone doing the housework while listening. Good job. Well done. You got round to it, finally. Listening to the podcast can actually be quite a good uh, thing to do when you're doing the housework. Lots of people listen to this when they're ironing and doing the washing up and things. I like to listen to podcasts when I'm doing that stuff. Multitasking. Um, that's that's what's so great about podcasting. Just stick the headphones in, and instead of just sitting there, 
you can do some ironing or you know do some of the cleaning or something so if you're doing that nice one shout out to anyone who is doing absolutely nothing while listening to this fair enough just lie down and just uh listen that's fine good for you i hope you're enjoying it even though all the washing up has to be done and none of your shirts have been ironed but you know it's a free it's a free i was gonna say it's a free country but i suppose that depends where you live doesn't it all right shout out to anyone also who has fallen asleep while listening to this if you are sleeping right now then sweet dreams and to everyone take care look after yourselves and i'll speak to you again on the podcast soon goodbye bye 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 thanks for listening to luke's english podcast for more information visit teacherluke.co.uk planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.